0: Well, if you build it, will they arrive at the arena? That is one of the questions being asked. uh, As the idea of a new arena in Surrey is being floated, a little bit different from other arenas and sports venues we've seen in the past, in that this one is the brainchild of a Surrey businessman who says he would like to put together a proposal. He would like to see a 10,000-seat arena built in Surrey. One of the reasons being that many, many people travel to Vancouver, travel to other cities to check out hockey games and events and if you had the arena in surrey people would be able to stay in their own community and pump that money back into their own community and watch the sporting events and the other festivities right in their own backyard but what would it actually look like Uh, professor lander moshi lander is an economics professor at concordia university and joins us on the line now uh, to talk a little bit more about this professor thanks so much for being with us
1: my pleasure. Uh,
0: what are your thoughts uh, on the idea of a business person being behind a proposal for uh, a new uh, arena for a city like Surrey?
1: Great. Better than the government. The, the usual pattern of the government putting up the money for those sorts of things uh, usually leaves the taxpayer on the hook for a lot of money. So if a, a private individual wants to come forward and put up the money themselves, go for it.
0: And is that because government isn't great at going into business and when it's a private enterprise and somebody with their own money in the game, more attention is paid to it?
1: That's usually the case, but it's also that we, we treat the government as if it's some sort of living, breathing individual, but we forget that they get their money from the taxpayer. And so the taxpayer is ultimately going to be the one that has to pay for any cost overruns, maintenance and all of those sorts of other things that go into the stadium construction. So even if the government were efficient, the vast majority of uh, Surrey taxpayers aren't going to make use of that facility. So why should they be uh, required to put up the money to to pay for something that maybe they don't want or don't use?
0: And I would imagine, too, we're talking about a businessman who's crunched the numbers and looked at this. And if there wasn't a viable business plan here, uh, we wouldn't have this person bringing it forward at all in the first place.
1: Correct. So, again, he he's prepared to take all of the risk on himself. As long as he doesn't start looking for tax concessions, tax breaks, government handouts, and those sorts of things, then if his analysis says that it's a viable project and he's prepared to assume that risk, then good for him.
0: Uh, there was some talk, I think the mayor of Surrey had said that there could be uh, some kind of agreement in that uh, Surrey Uh, might offer up land for the project, but that's still in the the early phases. What about the idea of the city giving either a break on the land or giving up the land for it?
1: Yeah, so that's where the problems usually start then. If if the, the business person is looking at this land as a possible site for an arena, part of his calculations are that that land is an attractive site. So it's not just that he views it as being a profitable venture, but that he's viewing it as a profitable venture at that particular location. If the city could make use of that land for something else then and profit from it themselves, merely handing the land over to the business person is effectively handing taxpayer money over. And like I said, that, that's usually not something that works out well.
0: Right, because taxpayers, if it was used for something else that was profitable, that brought money back into the city, that would be something that would benefit all taxpayers, not just uh, people who go to the arena.
1: Correct. The the city could just sell the land to a developer who wants to build a 30-floor high-rise building. Whatever it is that they would have done when they sold the land, that money would have gone into the government coffers that they could have been used for whatever they wanted, road, hospitals, schools, infrastructure, uh, poor income support, whatever.
0: Uh, have we seen anything like this or have you seen anything like this in in other cities
1: the uh, private development it it happens it happens all the time uh usually it does come with government assistance in some way and usually it's not where the government writes a check explicitly it's where the government gives some form of tax concessions or some sort of uh kind of under the table handout and i say under the table not to mean that it's illegal or inappropriate it's just that it's, it's a tax break uh just not a tax break in maine and the the idea that someone would just put up the money themselves for an arena no i haven't seen that but for sure we know that private individuals all the time start their own businesses
0: uh, right. And, and we see that, too, uh, when I, I was thinking when when looking at this, uh, whether you're talking about a density bonus or uh, a, a relaxing of parking to a developer, if a developer agrees uh, with something in return. Uh, but it did seem different in that we were talking about an arena in this case.
1: Yeah. So, you know, the the new hockey arena that was built for the Edmonton Oilers was uh, a third of the money was put up by private individuals. And the other two thirds of the money uh, came part explicitly from the the government itself, but also part from uh, basically the owners of the Edmonton Oilers would receive some of the property tax that was generated by surrounding businesses created because of the arena. So in that case, then, the government wasn't actually giving the private ownership group money. What they were doing was saying that your stadium is going to bring extra economic activity And you will be allowed to keep, essentially, the the profits, the taxes that are generated from that economic activity. So that's what I mean, that it's not really a tax break. It's just money handed from the government.
0: And I suppose, though, then there is the, the risk, depending on where the arena goes and what it looks like, if it's a flop, then they're not getting any of those profits.
1: Correct. And then again, who's on the hook at the end of the day then where the the owners have been promised that money? Well, that money has to come from somebody and it's going to come from the taxpayer inevitably.
0: How important is, we often talk about location when it comes to real estate, um, but, and, and again, you would think a business person, if they're in the position of putting the money into something like this, they've, they've crossed the T's and dotted the I's. Uh, but how important is it to, to know exactly what community could support a 10,000 seat arena and to make sure you've done enough homework that it will be
1: successful? To me, it was an interesting location uh, in this particular case, right? Because most of the, the facilities for for the Greater Vancouver area are almost an hour away. The greatest competitor that this business person sees is actually going in the other direction, which is over at Langley. Um, the fact is that Greater Vancouver could probably make use of a 10,000-seat arena. Uh, I just don't know that uh, people are going to want to travel an hour from downtown Vancouver taking Sky Train uh, to go to an event and then turn around and come all the way back. Usually, what you do in modern stadium construction is you put it downtown where all the people are, and just to make sure that the people are there, uh, a very, very recent trend is to build all kinds of residential high rises around that arena so that you can create kind of a, a living space where. The arena is part of the environment, not just some standalone idea. So the the location looked a little strange to me, but I'm not the one who's putting up my money. So apparently I might be missing something.
0: <laughs> I guess the, the idea being with Surrey being such a fast-growing city that uh, people are already doing the one-hour commute into Vancouver to see events, so maybe they would prefer to stay in their own community.
1: Possibly, but again, what are the events that are going to go there, right? So you're still going to want to travel to go see the Canucks. You're still going to want to travel to go see the BC Lions. Any of the major concerts that come through town are still going to be held over at Rogers. So the 10,000-seat arena is aiming for a particular target market, and that's why I said that the the greater competition is probably Langley, which has a seating capacity around 6,000. What you're going to try and do is maybe convince the Uh, the WHL Vancouver team to maybe move there and that seating capacity might be a little more in line with some of the larger markets. There's talk that Vancouver Canucks uh, minor league affiliate might be moved from Utica when their contract is up and come to to Vancouver. So uh, those could see 10,000 but uh, again, you're not going to talk about the major concerts. It's going to be the second tier events. It's going to be the Disney on Ice that comes to town. So uh, it, it's maybe not something worth traveling for.
0: <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. Uh, certainly a lot of talk uh, of this uh, at the moment. Uh, professor Lander, thank you so much for your time this morning. I really appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. Have a great day.
0: All right. You too. Uh, that uh, is Professor Lander, who is an economics uh, professor at Concordia University talking about the idea of a 10,000 seat arena in Surrey. If you live in that area, what do you think about that? Would you like to have a 10,000 seat arena? You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at CKNW.com, the Radio Player Canada app, tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD radio at 101.1 FM HD2 and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.